coming to you from six feet under Toledo, Ohio. This is the two, two, two paranormal podcast with your hosts, Jen and Joe. What's up, players? What Hi. is happening? I missed everybody. How how is your week, everybody? That's good. <laughs> Keep up the good work. I love yes. you. <laughs> Stay positive. I'm trying. It's very it's very hard. It is, but you can do it. I'm trying. Oh, trying and speaking of dying. Oh yeah. I got to finally see the episode of Ghost Hunters where they were at the Collingwood Art Center ah, here in Toledo. I just saw like fifth or probably seven minutes of it. And then it cut off and it said, subscribe now to what? I'm like, <sighs> uh, I well, I have I have a login for Discovery. Plus, oh, so, uh, but anyways, it's very interesting because all of the activity that they were getting. We got. Yeah. But oh. <laughs> but ours was, you know, I know it's a show, right? Yeah. But they were they were not. I don't think they were playing up any of that evidence at all. Really? Because everything they got was like things that we got. They got, mm-hmm. you know, the nun. They got shadow figures. They got EVPs. Now, one thing I was really hoping that they would have spent more time in the basement. Yeah. Because that's where we get most of our activity. Yeah. Yeah. But it was really, really cool. It was really well done. I was excited to see our local, you know, ha- haunted historic Please get some mm-hmm. love that it deserves. So, guys, make sure you're booking your ghost hunts. Tell them two, two, two sent you, and um, get out there and, and investigate that place. You know, put it it's on awesome. your summit or bucket list. We'll give you if you need, you know, some other places around Toledo. If you're coming here, we can tell you all the places to go. Get a little hotel or go camp. There's some campsites. Hang out in the Walmart parking lot <laughs> in your camper. Whatever you got to do, right? Yeah. But um, no, I really, I really enjoyed it, and uh, I'm hoping that I can catch up now that I have Discovery Plus. I can catch up on all the ghost shows. Yeah, I'll sit I hardly my... ever watch any of them at all. We're so busy, I right? Know. And it's when I'm when I'm crazy. sitting in here at the house, instead of watching the ghost shows, I'm watching useless YouTube videos of just random, random stuff. I'm like, it's so addicting. And pick I... up a book, Joe, and read. I've got a stack of books <laughs> from know. people that want to be on the show. And I'm like, <laughs> I find TikTok is ruining my life. And I'll tell you why. Yeah. Because there's so many videos, right? And they're, what, like 15 seconds to three minutes. There's some of the most heartbreaking stories. There's people documenting their, you know, they're dying. They, mm-hmm. they have cancer or something like that. And this morning I saw that one of the t- girls that I was watching, she passed away. And uh-huh. it's like. It's so sad. People are just using this platform to, um, you know, have fun, make fun videos. But there's also people who are documenting the death process. Uh, There's a lot of like hospice nurses. I watched this one lady. She's really interesting. And she talks a lot about the the death and dying process, uh, people in hospice, but then also about the paranormal activity that happens before and after people die. Oh, wow. And it's so fascinating. And so then I'm up late because I, I'm finding all these really cool, like, like there's a lot of ghost videos. There's a lot of like, there's this one kid who has a, a house in New Jersey. It's his mom's house, but he lives there, you know, and it, there's so much paranormal activity. And he uses the F-bomb a lot, which is kind of distracting, yeah. but he gets scared. And this, just the stuff that he's just documenting is 
incredible. Hmm. So then this is why it's ruining my life. I'm up all night. I can't turn it off. <laughs> There's always another exciting video. Yep. And then it's past midnight or one o'clock or two o'clock. And I have to get up at five o'clock in the morning because now I'm driving an hour and a half to work. Uh, it's, I have, I get no sleep. I look um, like a <laughs> zombie corpse, a well, chubby, turn the a damn chubby, phone off. cute zombie <laughs> corpse. I just, I can't, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I can't, st- I'm addicted. You're addicted. <laughs> yeah. So do you guys out there, our listeners, do you guys watch these TikTok videos? Um, what are you guys watching? Put it on your Facebook page. Like, tell us what's new and what's exciting. Like, is there somebody I should be following? Is there a new ghost show out maybe that we haven't seen or talked about you guys want us to watch? Let us know. Yeah. But this is leading into our topic, right? Yeah. We talked about ghosts that solved their own murders before. We talked about the Greenbrier ghost. And I thought that that was the only you know, documented case. Mm-hmm. Turns out it's not. You know, And there mm-hmm. was, there's a bunch of them. But during that Greenbrier ghost one was very interesting for us because we have our listeners contact us and say, listen, I heard an EVP in the show, <laughs> which happens all the time. Yeah. But during the Greenbrier Ghost story, we had one of the most crazy things Class happen. A EVP. And I can't even tell you how, when this show came out, like, what was it, like three years ago? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, during this, let me play you the EVP in case you haven't heard it yet. Now, I have to warn you at the end, I go, my dorky voice goes, yeah. But, <laughs> um, so the strange thing about the EVP that we captured, too, is it was only in my microphone. Now, Jen is sitting three feet from me. And lots of times, if it's something to do with the room or that, it'll be picked up in both our mics. It was only in my mic. So this is what you heard when you listened to the show. Get up there on Jen's page, her Poshmart. The the link's in the description below. And share your Greenbrier ghost story with us. I'm so glad we didn't call it ghost. (laughs) I was so worried about that. What was that? That was weird. I hope you guys all heard that. Yeah. Interesting. We're going (laughs) to... So that's what you heard when you listened Mm -hmm. to the show. So what I did was... I, now, this next one I'm going to play is just my track. Okay. So you'll be able to hear it loud and clear. The The link's in the description below. And share your Greenbrier ghost story with us. I'm so glad we didn't call it ghost. What was that? That was weird. I hope you guys all heard that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm such a dork. <laughs> but. We still can't explain it. It's no. been three years later. We we tried to recreate it. It wasn't any of the equipment. It wasn't. Mm-hmm. I, I we just can't. It, We've played like this for screaming. Tim Woolworth, mm-hmm. who is a ITC expert. Mm-hmm. I mean, we always say there's no experts in this field, but the, Tim is an expert on yeah. ITC communication. And he works with all kinds of equipment. He works with the equipment that we have. Mm-hmm. And he even said that is not electronic sound. I know. 
That's so cool. That is something you'll explain. It is a woman screaming. So here, let me play it again for you. The the link's in the description below. And What was that? That was weird. I hope you guys all heard that. Yeah. And I I, I was trying to say glad and I said gad. Yeah. <laughs> My COVID brain. <laughs> oh, so, Lordy. yeah, that was something really bizarre that happened to us last time we talked about this subject. And what's, you know, what differentiates that case versus the cases that we're going to bring you here in a, in a second is that was documented in a court of law the testimony um that helps mm -hmm. solve that murder so that was the only case in the united states where officially the ghost testimony was used yeah. to solve a murder now these are different cases they helped solve the murder mm -hmm. but it wasn't through the court of law this was more like giving information well this one that i have of um teresa bassa hers was actually in a court of law really and okay. they it was sort of like the same situation with the Greenbrier ghost is that uh, someone else that the ghost knew relayed the information. Okay. Just like in the Greenbrier ghost, it was the mother that she actually got visitations Testified. from, yeah, visitations from the ghost and said everything that the ghost said, which convicted the murderer. That's so interesting. Well, tell us a little bit more about this case, Joe. So, Teresita... Basa was an immigrant from the Philippines who was found mysteriously murdered in Chicago in her apartment in 1977. Teresita was born in 1929 in the Philippines. Initially, she came over to study music and ended up being a respiratory therapist where she worked at Edgewater Hospital in Chicago, which unfortunately is no longer there. So some of the Fame from this hospital, which was located just outside of Chicago, was that Frank Sinatra was one of the patients there. And it was also the birthplace of serial killer John Wayne Gacy and Hillary Clinton. So Teresita led a pretty quiet life. She pretty much kept to herself. Um, she was also pursuing a master's degree in music while she was still working at the hospital. And, and she frequently taught people to play the piano out of her apartment. On February 21st, 1977, Ruth Loeb, I believe that's how to pronounce her last name, L-O-E-B, phoned Teresita and they chatted for about 30 minutes. Loeb would later testify that Teresita was expecting a friend to come over, but she didn't give any further details on what that friend or who that friend was, was coming over for. About an hour after she spoke with Teresita, the fire department was called to Teresita's apartment. After the neighbors were complaining of smelling smoke in the building, they actually went to Teresita's apartment and found out that it was a fire in her apartment. As the firemen were putting out the fire, they noticed that it was a burning mattress in her living room. So they put out the fire and they ended up moving the mattress and finding Teresita's body under the mattress. Now she was naked 
and burned under the mattress. But they say that during the investigation, they found out that she wasn't sexually molested or anything like that. But the big thing was they found a big knife protruding out of her chest. But like I said, there was no physical evidence of a sexual assault and no physical evidence to lead police for her potential murderer. So for about five months, police had no leads and no idea who could possibly want Teresita dead. However, six months after she was murdered, the Washington Post reported that Dr. Jose C. Chua, who was a co-worker of Teresita, claims his wife, who I can't really pronounce her name, it's Rem, Remibis, Rembius. I'll just say Remy, and not to be disrespectful, but I just can't pronounce his name, okay? Well, ends up that his wife, Remy, was having visions about Teresita's murder. And that one day while she was working in the hospital, she actually saw a full-body apparition of Teresita standing in the hallway, but she couldn't talk to her. You know, it's sort of like she just saw her and Teresita was trying to get her attention, but she couldn't talk to her. One night laying in bed, Remy was speaking while she was sleeping Okay, and her husband, Jose, kind of got freaked out at first, but she was laying there speaking, but yet he could tell that she was sleeping. Later, she figured out that she was in a trance and she didn't realize she was in this trance. But what she said was, doctor, I would like to ask you for your help. The man that murdered me is still at large. Dr. Chua claimed that his wife said this while she, like I said, was in a trance. When he pressed his entranced wife further about her identity, he said, I was really surprised and scared. I asked her her name and she said, I am Teresita Bassa. But she told me I had nothing to be scared of. She was really pleading for me to help help solve her murder. According to the book, Teresita, A Voice from the Grave, the ghost pointed out, that Alan Scholey has been the person responsible for her death. He's a respiratory therapist who also was a co-worker of Teresita's. Scholey initially tried to get the case against him thrown out because all the evidence came from the great beyond. The police testified that Scholey went quiet with the investigators when he first was suspected in the murder, which kind of was a tactic acknowledgement of his guilt. So one of the things that Teresita's ghost told Remy was that during the murder, there were certain things taken from her apartment. There was a green jade necklace and a green jade ring that was taken during the murder. Now, the police didn't know anything about this because the fact that they went through the house and they couldn't, or the, the apartment, and they couldn't tell that anything was taken. But this is one of the things that Remy's husband, Jose, relayed to the police. Now, Teresita's ghost told that these items were stolen and were given to Sholey's girlfriend as gifts. So the police go to Sholey's apartment and you know, they have a warrant to search his apartment. They go and they question him. And like I said, he goes pretty quiet about it. He doesn't say, he says that he was going to her apartment to fix her television, 
but he ended up not having the right tools, so he left, and that's when the fire department was called when he wasn't there. Now, the police talked to him, and then they ended up talking to his pregnant girlfriend. She said that Sholey bought her some jewelry as a gift, and she was actually wearing the jewelry, and it ended up being a green jade necklace and a jade ring. They took this into evidence and showed Teresita's parents this jewelry, and they said, yes, that's Teresita's jewelry. They know that for a fact that that's her jewelry. So Sholey actually ended up getting arrested for this and was sent to trial. And it ended up, the first trial ended up in a mistrial. But Sholey ultimately decided to plead guilty to the murder on February 23rd, 1979, He was sentenced to 14 years in prison for his crime. 14 years, that's it, for murder. Brutally murder. And he was actually let out on parole in 1983. And the evidence suggests that he moved back to New York after he was released. Now, I wonder, okay, first off, he pleaded not guilty. And it ended up in mistrial. And then, all of a sudden, he decided to plead guilty and confessed of everything. Now it makes me wonder, did he get visited by Teresita's ghost? And it freaked him out so much that he confessed to everything? Maybe. Maybe it scared him so much. But it was a case of where she, Teresita, mm-hmm. actually got a hold of her workmates. Yeah, and like possess their bodies. Possess her bodies. Now it's very Ghostbusters. <laughs> there are stories out there of the fact that this girl, um, Rem, I would just call her Remy, mm-hmm. didn't like Alan, and they were fighting at work a lot. Oh. So some people say that this is all made up by her mm-hmm. to get him in trouble. But how would she know about the pregnant girlfriend? How would she know about the jewelry, stuff like that? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean... You know, it's the 70s, so there was no social media, right? No. There's no video cameras. It's a lot of just hearsay. Yeah. <laughs> you never know. Mm-hmm. But um, that's interesting that, you know, she the, the, that Jose had the wherewithal to, like, engage and not be scared mm-hmm. enough to, to f- you know, hear that testimony yeah. or, you know, um, talk to her spirit or whatever possessing yeah. his girlfriend's body. Yeah, he said in his testimonies and all that, he said that he was freaked out the first time. Mm -hmm. But the second time, he kind of listened. And she said that she didn't didn't even know that she was possessed. Oh, wow. So, who knows? I didn't know I was possessed. I didn't know I was possessed. Sounds like a TV movie. Yeah. Well, I have this. This one's interesting. This is um, a pilot who cleared his name from beyond the grave. So... Um, We're going kind of far back in time here, but in 1913, uh, Royal Flying Corps Lieutenant Desmond Arthur fatally crashed his plane during a routine training exercise, and he was in an airbase in Montrose, Scotland. Now, this did not, according to the local engine, prevent Sergeant, or I'm sorry, Lieutenant Arthur uh, from continuing to make appearances um, all over the base. Soldiers 
were seeing him. They started reporting uh, mysterious footsteps, phantom plane noises, as well as seeing his ghostly figure. Um, one pilot had claimed that he saw a fellow soldier in flight gear walk to the door of their mess hall only to disappear without entering. While a flight instructor said he had woke up in the middle of the night and he saw this pilot sitting at the end of his bed in a chair. So in all fairness, it says that Arthur would have knocked, but he clearly hadn't figured out how to use the doors yet, right? <laughs> it didn't help undead Arthur's popularity that these spook outs um, coincided with a grave inquiry into the cause of the crash of his plane. The initial ruling was reckless on behalf of the pilot, which is bad for morale, seeing it's World War One, and, um, you know, British pilots uh, were expected to get all the way to Belgium before getting killed. But claims of the ghost sightings continued on. Um, another man who had known Arthur said that Arthur appeared in his room and tried to speak to him, but he wouldn't make any sound. It's became so infamous that supposedly a German pilot who was shot down and captured behind Allied lines asked what the latest news on the ghost was. Oh. Still dead? Yep. Um, because of these sightings superstitious pilots started thinking there was something to keeping you know keeping him from moving on to the other side or into the light Uh, eventually a new investigation to into his death commenced that absolved arthur of any blame it turns out planes in 1913 were prone to falling apart yeah um so you know, after his name was cleared, the ghost supposedly made a final appearance in front of three of his old comrades, smiling at each of them before vanishing. Other sightings were claimed in later decades that Arthur, um, because he was a staple of, you know, Montrose lore, they just believed that he was simply just coming back to visit all the other pilots. It's just like, you know, hey, how's it going? Don't forget me. <laughs> now... It was funny because what they did is they honored him with a reef laying ceremony on the 100th anniversary of his death. And just to make sure, um, you know, that he was remembered. So it was 1913. So that would have been 2013. Oh, okay. So this is a nice tribute you know, yeah. to somebody who, you know, had lost their lives um, in service and didn't want them to think that it was an un... Um, on his own behalf, you mm-hmm. know, like him full, just... Pilot error. Yeah, right. Uh, so that's interesting. He came back to kind of clear his own name. Like, he did. Now, have one more here. Okay. And I got... These are a couple short ones here, too. Okay. A psychic's dream leads her to completely unrelated murder. Oh. Okay. So... Murder. Mada. It was Mada. Um, okay, so... Inviting a psychic to help in a murder investigation is practically announcing to the killer that they should feel free to buy a house, settle down, start coaching a softball team, right? <laughs> the police might as well start burning candles in church and ask Jesus if they saw anyone run that way. Jesus. 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 Help me, Jesus. Jesus, take the wheel. Uh, but sometimes even psychics get lucky and find a needle in a haystack. So, okay, so this is what happened. In 2010, Australian psychic Cheryl Carol Lagerwee claimed she had a dream which showed her where to find the body of Keisha Abrams, a missing six-year-old girl. Now, while we would personally give a wide berth to any murder locations um, we dream of, 
this lady decided to check it out for herself. Um, she didn't find the young child, but she did find a macabre consolation prize of a woman's torso. Oh. So she found a decomposing torso, and I'm sure it smelled so great. <laughs> um, so the mangled torso of eventually identified as the remains of Christy McDougall, who had been strangled to death, chopped into bits and pieces by her boyfriend. It was totally random that she found a body on a remote Aboriginal reserve, which had already been searched thoroughly because police believed it was a possible dumping site uh, for Abram's body. Now, she was later found elsewhere, but the mother was convicted of that child's murder. Oh, wow. I know, so sad. But, you know, they, she, the psychic said, well, you know, it's no better way to describe it, but finding a torso when you're not looking for one helps, right? And solving somebody else's case. Now, her discovery led to the arrest and conviction of McDougal's killer. The local police made it very clear that this discovery does not change their opinion about using psychics, but... The police chief later released a statement acknowledging that the good outcome made it clear that he had, quote, certain strong feelings about people who claim they are psychic. I don't think it will help if we enter into a discussion on that, which was basically him saying, don't get me started, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, because a bunch of people, will, you know, come forward. But the psychic, for her part, credits aboriginal dreaming and a bad feeling. And as the old saying goes, even a blind squirrel finds dismembered torsos every once in a while. <laughs> you know that okay. kind of that kind of rags on the psychics, but we we know personally two psychics that help police find mm-hmm. victims all the time. Yeah, they work on cases. Mm-hmm. They don't officially like police won't officially no acknowledge that, but who cares, right? Like if it's gonna help put a family's ease mm-hmm. finding their loved one it's it would be worth and it. the thing is too they may say well that's pseudoscience or whatever but they found it right with no connection to the case yeah exactly and you know do you want this person out on the street mm-hmm. doing it to somebody else's loved one no so i found some short stories about the same topic here in 2013 Adrian Duo confessed to the murder of Jennifer Strott, claiming that after he committed the crime, he went for a walk and saw the ghost of his victim. Since that day, Duo claims that he started believing in God and concluded that it's not a good thing to kill someone. Oh, no. No, no. Okay. We'll try not to. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the most inspiring religious conviction on record but then Duell also commented that the murder was because he thought it would help his rap career so maybe he's not the best person to take advice from uh, probably not yeah oh, Joe, Joe's a rapper <laughs> Joe Wayne Gacy That's so he name. wanted to kill a person to become a better rapper but the ghost you gotta have street cred yeah <laughs> Listen, I used to live near South Central Los Angeles. <laughs> you gotta be tough. Oh, you gotta beat it. Just beat <laughs> it. No one's, no one wants to be defeated. <laughs> In April 2017, serial killer Terry 
Childs confessed to two murders while serving time for three more. Childs says he was being eaten up by his victim, John Mack, or his victims, John Mack and Christopher Hall. And he didn't mean in the abstract sense of overwhelming guilt. He claims that the spirits went into his cell and started eating his brain. (laughs) Okay. The two crimes he confessed to occurred in 1984 and 1985, which they say makes these ghosts pretty damn persistent. (laughs) Well, you know, remember Al Capone famously said that ghosts of his victim came to his jail cell Mm -hmm. and were tormenting him. Yeah. Interesting. Also in in 2017, uh, must be a banner year for ghost-induced confessions, Um, Jose Fierriera, or however you say that, uh, confessed to a 1982 crime where he pushed a 13-year-old Carrie Ann Jopik down a stairway to her death because she refused to have sex with him. Um, which hits about every number on the male monster bingo card, yeah. right? So the mother credits Joe Pick rather than the police for solving the crime because 33 years after um, she was killed, Ferreira claimed that the girl's spirit had been haunting him and confessed. Uh, so, you know, keep that in mind that, uh, you know, the ghosts are going to come after you if you There's no time on the other side. You know? You know, is that is that their guilty conscience, you know, creating this topo that's or is this really a ghost saying that's possible? I know you, you know, you killed me and I'm going to make your life miserable because you killed me, mm-hmm. you know, which is interesting because you think about it like the people that get are murdered like or die instantly sometimes don't know they're dead. Yeah. Right. So do they know that they were murdered like or, you know, like if you weren't expecting it or didn't see like the murderer coming at you or something like how you know how do you know mm-hmm. that that person killed you like do you, your soul escape and then watch this person standing over you or something it i don't know could it's, be, it's so interesting we've heard so many stories about out-of-body experiences what they where they actually looked down after an accident mm-hmm and saw their body laying there. Yeah. And they knew that that was their body, but yet they didn't have any feeling for it. Oh, it's interesting. And some people come back and some people don't. Yeah. And then, of course, the people that come back are the ones that tell the story because the other ones can't. Right. Well, they can <laughs> if they come back and... As a ghost. As a ghost. Okay. So we have one more. Um, this is really interesting. So this is called the Red Barn Murder, and it was solved by the victim's mother. So an Way back now. We're going way back. Go way back in the day. Um, 1827, Maria Martin and William Corder had arranged to elope. And they were, you know, just young lovers. And they were kind of sketchy reputation. Okay. <laughs> and um, so they agreed to meet at the Red Barn, which is like a local landmark for all of their town folk in Suffolk, England. <laughs> Because small Victorian hamlets didn't have, like, Baskin-Robbins or something to meet up, they met up at this big red barn. But one went in and one didn't come out. Oh. Or they both went in and one didn't come out. So William skipped town soon after his clandestine meeting, but no one saw Maria leave with him. He wrote letters to her family, but made increasingly transparent excuses for why none of them were coming from Maria herself. 
Um, she was sick. She had hurt her hand. The post office must have lost her letter. And presumably, at one point, he tried suggesting that Maria simply needed a break from the strenuous attention-sucking world of snail mail, right? So after a few months, Maria's stepmother began to have troubling dreams, or as we would call them, hunches, right? In which Maria was murdered and buried in the Red Barn, a building that only sounds spookier as we keep reading the name, right? So she was so convinced that her daughter's spirit was drawing her to that location. She eventually got her husband to agree to go with her and they started towards the barn and he's like okay I'm just gonna say you know happy wife happy life I'm gonna go with her and and just get this out of her mind so they started digging up in the red barn and they found her body so authorities had um, little trouble tracking down William who turns out it wasn't exactly he wasn't the criminal mastermind <laughs> you know that was just um not his thing. So he's milling around in Lust London. And in the biggest trial of that era, he was found guilty of brutally murdering Maria over a petty argument and was hanged for his crime. Oh. It, this red barn came, became such a popular landmark for rubberneckers. And over the time, the red barn was stripped clean um, by true crime enthusiasts looking for silver, you know, souvenirs. So... You know, more disturbingly, William was also stripped clean. His skeleton was put on display at a museum while his skin was used to bind books about the murder. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I know. And um, what remains unexplained is why it took visions and a dream for people to uh, consider what seemed like very obvious series of events. Um, but, you know, like, it just interesting that, uh, you know, this woman's having visions from her daughter in her dreams and they're telling him you know so-and-so killed me right that sounds just like the green buyer ghost story it though does. very much <laughs> but that was in america though this and, was in england yeah and they didn't use his skin to bind books about it's so gross. how much do those books cost oh they're probably i don't know but <laughs> you'd think like in modern days like that's disgusting yeah <laughs> ew I've seen stuff like that on the internet. I'm like, that's so gross. Gross. There's a lot of stuff on the internet. I know. You just got to be wary. Wary of that. Um, speaking of dreams, I got to tell our listeners the funniest dream I had. I was telling <laughs> oh, Joe. Geez. I laughed so hard. I was like crying. I had this <laughs> dream about Joe. He was sitting on my mom and dad's sofa and we were going to go to Las Vegas and I was like, it was really early in the morning. It was like 7 a.m. I'm like, we got to get on this plane because it's going to take three hours to get there. And then I left and I went and won all this money. And then I came back and I'm Joe's sitting in the same spot, like waiting to go on the airplane. His eyes are really, really tiny, beady eyes. <laughs> and he had this big head. And his eyes, every time I looked at him, his eyes got smaller and smaller. <laughs> and I'm like, it's too late to go to Vegas. And you're all disappointed. Disappointed in my tiny eyes. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. <laughs> oh, my God. Do you guys have, like, prolific <laughs> dreams like that? I Like, everybody in our family has, like, crazy dreams, and we tell each other our dreams. I don't even know how we remember some of them. Oh, I tell you. A lot of my dreams are so vivid. Mm -hmm. And I've been wanting forever to put together a dream show. I know. But every time I try to put one together, there's more and more that I want to put in there. So I think we're just going to have to... We're just going to have to do it. Just going to have to do it and get someone in that 
is a, I don't want to say dream expert, but it has knowledge of dreams. And, but the problem with that also is it's all opinionative. Well, yeah. Yeah. But everything is, right? Yeah. But interesting how dreams happen, how they occur, why you remember some and why you don't re- remember mm-hmm. some and why some are funny and some are scary. I've had weird dreams like I was in the backyard of mom and dad's house. I don't know why I remember this one, but I was in a gun battle. And I was like doing like somersaults and flipping <laughs> up and pulling the gun out and pew, 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 pew. <laughs> I don't know why. But, you know, it's so funny. There's certain dreams you remember. Yeah. Like, you, and that was years ago. That was like 20 years ago I had that dream. I don't, I don't even know why. But, um, you know, like some of them are so real and so vivid and then you don't remember them. Mm-hmm. You wake up and you're like, oh, and then you're like, oh, I forgot it already. You know, and we talk about like premonition dreams and mm-hmm. stuff like that. There's, like I said, dream show it's going to be such a great show that I haven't put it together yet because yeah. it's so much. And we may have to break it up into a bunch of different shows. Like yeah. We could do a series. Yeah. Let so. us know if you guys are dreamers. Like, have you ever had, like, a somebody have, die, come back to you in a dream and tell you information that uh, was useful in your life? Mm-hmm. We want to know. Yeah. But with that, same old, same old, please get up on our website. On our website, in the book section, we have a bunch of books from a lot of people that have been on the show. Yeah. Click on one of the books. Take a look at them. If you decide to buy them, remember it is an affiliate link. So we're going to make two cents off of each book that we sell. <laughs> if that. Yeah. <laughs> Half a cent. But no, it really helps out because we put all that money towards their um, costs of producing the yeah. show. You know, we pay for internet. We pay for our podcasting. Uh, travel travel we do buy the yeah. vendor spots that at the conventions we go to we're not oh. getting them for free i know i wish if you have but a show hey. and you want us there we'll do it for free yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just give us the space we'll advertise for you <laughs> all right but anyway you guys have a great great week try to stay positive get out there and ghost hunt get out there and look for bigfoot if you have any alien encounters don't get probed yeah but <laughs> As always, thanks for coming by, listening with us this week, and and make sure you share the show. We post on our Facebook page. Share it with all your friends. Yes. And let's leave with some destructive by 60 Second Crush. Goodbye. Bye, everybody.